Hi, I'm Terry Zabolski, pastor of Grace Community Church in Mechanicsburg, Pennsylvania. I'd like to thank you for listening to this week's message. I hope and trust that God's Word is a blessing to you as you live for Him each and every day. Well, the message today is the secret to really living. Remember the first time when uh, you were able to drive the car? Probably it was the family car, maybe your father's car. That's what it was in my situation. Uh, I'll never forget that. Uh, I couldn't wait till in those days we had to be 16, and my father's house <clears throat> had to take driver ed first. So you had to be signed up for, get your permit, sign up for driver ed. And, uh, and we did that. Our school obliged and offered driver ed school. You remember driver ed? How many of you took driver ed? You sit around and watch these horrifying movies. Body parts all over the interstate, right? You're, <gasps> and, you know, watch this next and you're horrified. You go to, you go to uh, geometry class and you can't even think about, uh, uh, you know, uh, theorems because I'm still seeing body parts from my driver ed class, right? Try to scare you to slow down and use your head when you drive. But I couldn't wait. I couldn't wait to drive. Think, wow, what freedom. You jump in the car and be able to take off. I could swing by and see whatever girl I was dating at the moment. Could drive to, f drive to practice, even drive to school. Didn't have to walk or ride or hitchhike. We used to do that. Don't do that. But we used to do that. And to get here and there. And it could actually drive. And gas was only 29, 30 cents a gallon. Wow. Eat, that, eat your heart out. We only made $1.15 an hour, though. <laughs> Somehow it's still kind of messed up, a little high. Amen? Amen. Amen. So only for some of you. Wow. Fill my tank up. But we could drive. Wasn't that great to be able to take off and uh, to go places? And it wasn't long before you realized, wait a minute, it's not only the freedom of going, but there's, there are rules to the road. Not only were there rules in using my father's car, and if you messed that up, you were cooked. You were back on the, we had three-speed bikes in those days, and you were back on your bike. But there were also rules to the road, and, uh, you know, the cops were out looking for you, and they wanted to monitor your speed. And uh, I remember the first time, I was uh, 18 when I got a ticket, and, uh, wow, man, I almost choking back the tears. You know, this guy, state police up New York. I was driving down to some college, and uh, no one around. I was buzzing along, and out of nowhere, there it is, flashing light, pulled over. And uh, I, state trooper, New York State, I said, where were you? And uh, he said, I got Vascar. I don't know if you ever heard about it. I don't think it's legal in Pennsylvania. I'm thankful for that. I haven't had a ticket. I say that now in 20 years, but now I'll get one next week, you know. <laughs> but uh, I remember that. All of a sudden, I realized, wow, there's a price to pay when you don't remember the rules of the road. You know, like 80 bucks in that day when you're making a dollar fifteen or whatever it was an hour. That was a lot. And I learned, wait a minute, they mean something when they say, go this fast and no faster, be careful, or you're on your own. How about that? Any of you ever get to you? guys sitting there like, oh, I never had a ticket. You're looking like you're innocent. I've seen the way some of you drive. You leave here, you know. Yeah, that's right. No pointing fingers here, Larry. I won't say. <laughs> wow, there's a price to pay. I mean, freedom. Yeah, great. Wow. 
get to drive through the mountains, the interstate. Wow, be careful, the rules to the road. Well, Solomon has a very similar thing in mind as he's now moving. We're now in the midst of his conclusion. He began last week, now we're in the midst. We'll wrap it up next week with the grand finale. But it's a, it came right to my mind, this very same analogy. He calls us here to live and to really live. Some of you act like you're on the bench waiting for the grim reaper. Don't do that. You're not here. here. Life is precious. Live. Really live. Don't let anyone rob your joy in the song in your heart. Really live, he's saying. Enjoy the gift of life. It's a gift. God has given it to us. He's pleased when we do. But we must not be reckless in the way we do it. We must not be foolish. We must not be reckless in the way that we live this thing called life. For if we are, there's a price that you're going to pay, and it will be extracted, and it will be painful. The price will be paid not only in the future, when we see our Lord, but also now as we suffer, the consequences of bad driving. Bad driving. Uh, this thing called life. It's the principle of sowing and reaping, isn't it? It's that old principle. It's like gravity. You can deny it, you can hate it, you can reject it, but it doesn't matter. You jump out the window, you're going down. And if you sow certain seeds in your life, and we all sow bad seed, the matter of making it, Lord, make it be a very bare minimum, because when that crop comes up, it's going to be painful. Amen? It's going to be painful. It hurts. And the fruit of it is not sweet. I love the sweet taste of fruit in the summer. Faith got some, origin, uh, some uh, peaches the other week from uh, Wegmans, and they were unbelievable, beautiful peaches. Not even from Georgia. I don't know. Where were they from there? Think of Georgia peaches. Right, Susan? Susan's Georgian. Yeah, that's right. Amen. My kids are down there now. You know that. Wow. Well, this fruit that comes up in your life and mine when we drive badly is not sweet. It isn't. And some of you know all too dearly that. Well, as he moves into the mid of this conclusion, two truths reminding us why we are to really enjoy life today. And here it is in a sense. Solomon tells us, live, really live, but do so. Do so. Do so with the end in view. Look at the end of it. Don't just be so enamored with the here and now and the moment. That's our culture. Just live it up today. Who cares about tomorrow? That's a fool. Live it with the end in view. As you make decisions right now, today, tomorrow, how will this play out in my life as it unfolds next month, next year, if the Lord lets me live? And then at the judgment seat when I give an account. Live with the end in view. That is the secret to the blessed life. I had the joy of being a professor for a number of years and, and in a graduate school seminary and in college full-time for four years, associate professor. And we spent a lot of time talking about outcomes. If you're an educator, you know what that is. What, what are the outcomes? What do we want to see our students thinking and being and able to do. You, you deal with outcomes, outcome-based education. Some of you have heard of that. And you deal with that. You design courses uh, so that the outcomes will, uh, your course will actually allow the outcome 
so that your students will benefit from that. Well, here it is. The outcome of not a class, as important as classes may be, this is the outcome of life. This is, this is the real deal. This is the big thing. Live with the outcome in view. Live it, live it to the fullest. Live it to the max. Don't sit around on a bench waiting to die because bad things happen to you. Get in the game and live, but live according to the rules. Drive this thing called life, realizing there's rules. Well, the first truth in verses 7 to 10 as he closes chapter 11 that uh, remind us that we're to really enjoy life today is this. Enjoy life today for soon, soon, the dark days of old age are going to come visit you and knock on your door, and they will. It will come. Look what he says in verses 7 to 10. Light is sweet, and it pleases the eyes to see the sun. However many years a man may live, let him enjoy them all. But let him remember that the days of darkness, they will be many. Everything to come is meaningless. So be happy, young man, while you are young. And let your heart give you joy in the days of your youth. Follow the ways of your heart and whatever your eyes see. But know that for all these things, God will bring you into judgment. So then banish anxiety from your heart and cast off the troubles of your body for youth and vigor. Well, they're meaningless. Well, enjoy today, he's saying in verse 7 to 10, for soon, for soon, the days of darkness are coming and they will be many, he's saying. That's old age. Well, A, God has given us a sweet gift of life and he loves it when we live it to the max. You know that God is pleased with that? We rejoice in the Lord, we have a song in our heart, we serve Him, we live each day as a gift, and use the gifts and talents and opportunities that God has God says, I'm pleased with that. I love that. They find reason to live. They work hard at their, their, their work, and their work is, is, is their life. It's a ministry, it's a calling. Did you know that, I didn't emphasize that too much, but your work is a calling? It's just not pastors that are called. Pastor teachers are called to a vocation. It's a blessed work, it sure is, but every one of you are given gifts and talents and ability, and it's, the Puritans used to call it, the calling of your vocation, and you glorify God in doing it well, and doing it unto Him. That ought to change the way you do your work, even though it's filled with uh, mundaneness, repetition, it's mindless, you say. Not all of you, but some of you, and listen, let's face it. You know, we all look at each other and say, I wish I had their job, wish I had their job, you know, this kind of thing. Hey, all jobs are, much of it's mundane, repetitious, and a lot of it is just like the kids say what? Boring. It is, right? Do it under the Lord. Do it with a song in your heart. Do it as a ministry. Use the gifts and talents and abilities God has given. And here's the point. Jump ahead a little bit. If you hate what you're doing, do something else. Do something else. Right? Don't waste time. Do something else if God has put it in your heart to do it. Go for it. Live. Live it to the max. Why? Old age is coming. It's going to knock on the door. That's what God has given us. Look at number one. Solomon calls us to enjoy all of them. Not part. Not part of them. All of them. Life is pictured as seeing the sun. Don't you love to see the sun? I love to get up early before the sun comes up and watch the, the, the rising sun and the beauty of the new day. 
living in Buffalo all those years, being born and raised, and the cloud covers so much up there that uh, when the sun comes out during the two months of the summer, <laughs> it seemed like that. <laughs> it was pleasant to see the sun. So I often think of that. Oh, isn't it nice to see the sun? Oh, I love that. Don't look at it direct. You're going to have a retina problem. But it is great, great to enjoy the sunshine as it just kind of splashes all over you and warms up your body. It's referring to the day. The sun here it refers to the day of life, your, the vitality and youthfulness. I feel that way even as I get older. Um, I was born with so much energies. My father used to drive me crazy because I was just like all over the place. Nail that kid down, you know, that kind of thing. Keep him busy. We'll wear him out. He's going to be in jail or he's going to do something productive. We're not sure which yet, you know. But, you know, even that, I still, at the end of that, I can't do the things I once did in the earlier part of the day. And even now, when I get up, my energy level is pretty high. I get up and I make my list and I want to go for it. And I sort of like run out of gas. I slow down as the day goes on. I think, what do I really need to give my energy to? I better do that early because I'm not going to be too much good later in the day. You're probably not like me like that, but that's the way it is in the day. In the day, slowing down. Well, be, number two, it matters not whether we live long or short. I remind you again, such matters are not in our hands or in God's hands. That's what he is saying here. They, they are God's. Whether you live long or short, enjoy every, every one of them. We must refuse to allow the pains. And this isn't life painful. It is there are hurts and scars and disappointments and discouragements and sorrows in life. And if you let them, they will rob you of the zest and vitality and joy of life that God wants you to have. You know, we say, well, nobody's seen the trouble I've seen. Give me a break. We've all seen troubles. We all have, right? We have. It hurts. It's painful. Well, life didn't turn out like I thought. Join the company. Right? That's the way it is. Don't let that rob you. Ask God to expunge from your heart bitterness and the, the thought that you alone are different from everyone else and, and that, that it robs you of the sweet gift of life that God has given to you. Lord, expunge that. Get rid of that. I don't want to focus on that. And forgive the people that hurt you. Release them. You're the one that hurts over it. Release them. Let the joy of the Lord fill your heart. He will. I promise you. I know for sure. And three, we must enjoy life today, don't we? Our lives are meant to be joyous. Joyful. Praise the Lord in your life. You know, we don't have to grow old grumpy. I've seen a lot of grumps. Have you noticed them? There aren't any here, I hope. We'll show you the door, right? The ushers, out with you. I've seen a lot of grumpy old people, right? You can grow old gracefully. There's the good news. And I've seen folks. Faithy and I know a family back in Philadelphia in her church who we'll often talk about uh, Papa Steinbeck, right? Steinbrook. And he was an old, miserable, cantankerous German guy. Oh, he was. And his wife, she was like an angel. She was, wasn't she? She was just the sweetest little German lady who talked with a German accent. And there's Papa Steinbrook. And sometimes if I get a little grumpy, Faith will say, mm, there's Papa Steinbrook here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it gets me when she says that. 
But we're to grow old gracefully, right? Gracefully. God will allow that to happen every single day. Don't wait. You know, in the morning, uh, we often say the birds sing. Now, do the birds actually know they're singing? I wondered about that. We say, we hear them outside, and I thought, do they know they're singing? What do they, when they speak, what's it sound? It, does it sound different than when they, you know, singing? I don't think so, but it's how we say they're chirping and singing, and I always like to open my window and know our homes are air-conditioned. I like to hear the birds in the morning in my study and that kind of a thing, and they chirping away, singing and all that. And we're, we're to sing. God has given us with the capacity to rejoice and, and the, the burdens of our heart that give to the Lord so that every single day we might enjoy life and, uh, as the gift that God gave us and is meant to be. Uh, even... Uh, enjoy life utterly and completely. And in other places, I just uh, remind you again, in Ecclesiastes, Solomon's told us what he meant by this, enjoying life. What's he mean? He's, he said it over and over again. I just remind you, in the back you may write, oh, you can't write on your back. In the margin you may write, eating and drinking. That's a joy. Sometimes we do the drive-in through and inhale, scarf down, hardly notice, you know, and, and this and that. We ought to reflect on God's goodness and His provision, give thanks and, and rejoice in that. That's a part of enjoying life. Faithy will make a nice meal and we'll sit around the dining room table. Don't lose that. It's a wonderful thing. We're seeing it less and less, folks doing that. Have folks in it and just enjoy each other. Enjoy that coming in and just thank God for what He has given. That's a part of simple pleasures. Wearing nice clothes and pleasant lotions. Uh, Ecclesiastes 9.8, he mentioned that. Such simple things like that are, are pleasing and enjoying life. Enjoying marital bliss in 9.9 of Ecclesiastes. He's talking about sexual relationship and the sweet gift of, of sexuality that God has given to a husband and wife. Enjoy that. God is pleased with that. The bed is uh, not defiled, but pleasing in the Lord. Uh, and finally, finding satisfaction in your work. Chapter 2, verse 24, and 5.18 and others. These are some of the things that God has given to us uh, to enjoy life, and we ought to enjoy it to the max. Well, B, remembering that life is short and that old age is coming. It is coming. It is coming. It ought to motivate us to love the Lord and to serve Him and to live joyously today. Solomon calls our future day in verse 8b, days of darkness. Remember the days of darkness. He's not talking about death here. He'll do that in the next chapter. He's talking about uh, the dark days where you lose the light of the joy of the day and you're able to fill it. But night is coming, nighttime. You're going to be filled with gloom and dismay and pain and the body's not going to work quite the same. Days of darkness, tomorrow trouble. And more, he tells us, these days will be many. Oh, that's good news. And they will be many, thank you. Or they'll feel like it. Well, it's part of uh, the, the curse. And the day that you eat, you'll die indeed. Don't do it. God told our first parents. They did it. The amazing thing in chapter 3, God didn't strike them physically dead at that moment. It was the grace of God. He substituted an animal, clothed Adam and Eve. But the process of dying, they died spiritually. But the process of physically dying began that day. Oh. Adam lived a long time, 960 years. Uh, you're not going to live that long here. You'll be somewhere, but not here. And if you were here, we probably wouldn't want to see what you looked like. A little dab won't do you in that day. 
I'm sorry to tell you about that. Keep putting Rogaine on. It ain't going to help. And uh, say, well, I've got membership at the Y. I'm sorry about that, too. That is not going to help. You're going downward, and you know that. I ask the question, why is it that uh, I have so many doctors that are my friends today? <laughs> I used to laugh at Pop and Mom down in Florida. You know, Florida is uh, heaven's uh, waiting room. You go down there, they live, they retire, and all they do is they fill their calendar up, right, Dad? They're going to the doctor today. That's the big out. And we do lunch after, then we come home. You know? <laughs> I made a list here. I've got a general physician. I mean, I used to take my kids. I remember 10 years ago, I went down to Shepherdstown and was taking Jonathan or David or somebody, and they said at the counter, now I had to go down then. I went down after. I had the blood pressure or something. I went down there and I said, have you ever been here? Oh, I said, oh, I've been here a lot. And they said, uh, well, we don't have a file. Well, I said, oh, I've never been here myself to see a doctor. <laughs> First time. So they started a file. So I got a general physician, right? And now I have, I've got a dermatologist. I go through and she, uh, she slices off parts that are growing that shouldn't be there. I got a gastroenterologist, or I actually have two of them now. That's a fun enterprise there. I've got a heart, I've got a cardiac uh, cardiologist. I'll see him next month. I've, I, these are my friends. I go and I befriend these guys. Uh, an ophthalmologist, of course, got to go see them. Then I got dental needs, and I even have a sleep specialist. What in the world is going on? Just. <laughs> I used to play football and be in shape. I used to compete in that. It's downward. It's, the darker day, it's getting the sun. You got the idea, right? That's what Solomon's talking about here. Man, oh, man, oh, man. Pretty soon David's going to be wheeling me around and, and, and blotting my lip there. You know, Dad, you're drooling again. He said he's going to put my name tag on here so I know who I am. I look down there. Even an ENT, I should say that, because I went there and Faith thought I couldn't hear that well, and... And I, I did. I've lost a third of it. Right in her range. I can't hear her. When she... <laughs> I'm not sure if that's a blessing or not. I'm, I'm still trying to... You'll have to ask her on that. Well, these days are going to be many, and it's going to seem like they're meaningless. Wow. Meaningless. Wow. What is the point of it? Lord. And some lived a long, long time that way, don't they? They do. You go like, what's my purpose? Lord, there's got to be a purpose, and there is. But it's not like the early days where you had vitality and strength and dreams. Wow, that's what he's saying. Well, so see, Solomon urges us to be happy today and to follow our hearts and our dreams today. 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 You don't have tomorrow. Today's the gift. Go for it. I put down young men dream, don't we? We have our dreams and our visions. We're going to conquer and, and do this and do that. And it's great. And old men, they stop dreaming. They stop dreaming. They have their memories. We live in our memories sometimes, right? Dream. Don't stop dreaming. Don't become an old person who talks about what you wished you had done. A lot of people do that. Ah, I wish they did this. I wish I did that. Ah. You know, don't do that. Go for it. You're still here, warm and breathing. I don't think anybody carried you in and set you down as a stiff. You're still here. 
Instead, be able to talk about what you did. Go for it. Some of the dreams I had when I was younger, you know, I wanted to go to college, and, and God made that possible, and I was thankful for that in my schooling. And I appreciate it. I wanted to, to marry young, and uh, faith found me, and, and uh, we married. And in and, and today's standard, at very young, we were 20, 21. I graduated from college one Saturday, got married the next, right? I was trying to pull it off on the same day. <laughs> but uh, actually, we were engaged 17 months. I wanted to get married for my senior year. And my father didn't like that idea and said, uh, if you wait and finish college, I'll, we'll, my, your mom and I will give you a good honeymoon present for your graduation. I said, oh, really? He said, yeah. I said, like what? I want to hear it. I want to hear it. You're not stringing me out and then giving me nothing, you know? <laughs> so he did. He said, I'll give you a cruise out of New York, New York City, 10 days, blah, blah, blah. So he, and he did. He followed through with that. I think it was a bad trade, though. 17 months. I'm not for long engagement. They are not good. Well, we married young, right, there. And, you know, a lot of times it makes me laugh because um, today it's like, oh, I've got to get so much money in the bank. I've got to be established. And there's value in that. I don't minimize that. But I always thought, like, I want to, I want to get married, enjoy the companionship, and we'll figure it out. Amen, Mark? You did the same thing, didn't you? We'll figure it out. I don't know. God will lead us or help us. Lord, we need help. <laughs> right? Yeah, that was a dream I had. I had a dream to travel. Uh, to have, I mean, first to have a family. And, uh, and I always, always loved little kids, and I loved uh, having children and, and, uh, and having a family. I love that so very, very much. And, and my granddaughter, she saw me yesterday on iChat, you know, that iChat where you can, and then as soon as she saw me, I said, Papa, 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 Papa. That's it. I almost got in the car and drove south. <laughs> she needs me, you know. <laughs> family is so much. I wanted to travel and dreamt about that, you know. And I uh, wanted to see, go to Israel, wanted to crawl through the pyramids. I wanted to see it all. I wanted to see Europe and, and the reformed cities of Geneva and London and Paris. And God has allowed that. It began with a dream. It began with a dream. Not that I have wanderlust, but I wanted to see the world that God made. I loved history and you know, I saw the things taking place there. And dream. You guys saying dream. Go for it. You know, the days are going to come when you can. We've done trips to Israel, and, and some have gone, and some have said to me in private, oh, I'd love to go, but I can't go anymore. You see, I have, I have this physical problem, that physical problem. I can't be far from a restroom, and if we're in a bus going around seeing Bethlehem, I'm going to be in trouble. I can't. You see, old age is coming. Go for it, he's saying. Dream. Try it. I wanted to ski. We skied in, the, in, in British Columbia. That was an experience, wasn't that? Way up on high, above the tree line. I'm still scared of nightmares about that. But, uh, and then watching David and Jonathan go down the hill, I, oh, my word. I had a dream to see the, the advancement of the church and the Lord's work. The Lord would do that through my life to impact others with the glory of the gospel and the love of Christ. And uh, just pray that God continues to use me while he's able. I dream that way. I do. Try new things, Solomon is saying. Explore new adventures. Because life is going, going, and it's going quickly and almost gone. He urges us and see to be happy. 
and to follow our hearts and our dreams in verse 9. Let's reread that again. Be happy, young men, while you're young. and Let your heart give you joy in the days of your youth. Follow the ways of your heart and whatever your eyes see. But know for all these things what will bring you into judgment. He urges us to go for it. He warns us, number one, he does so. We're to go for it, but do so according to the rules. I mean, that's God's Word, and this wonderful Word. For God will review your life at the judgment. Now, He's not threatening here. This is not heavy-handed, threatening, do this, or you're going to burn, turn or burn type thing. He's just saying, He's just reminding. Just uh, live, live to the fullness, live to the max. But live according to the, to the teaching of God's Word. There are fences that ought to create securities, Go for it. Enjoy it within that. Don't live recklessly. You're going to hurt yourself. Remember, you can sum up the uh, Ten Commandments. We've said that before with uh, don't hurt yourself. Don't hurt yourself. Really, it will hurt you. 2 Corinthians 5.10, remember that all of us must stand before the judgment seat of God. It's a reminder. Live godly. Go for it. Live with the end in view. Number two, since the Lord will judge us, we should not abuse life by deliberately sinning and living as if anything goes. Don't live that way. It doesn't go. If, it, if you live that way, your life's going to go. It's going to go down the toilet. It's going to go down the drain. It's going to be a mess. Don't do that. Live, three, with eternity values in view. So have fun. Rejoice. Delight yourself in the thrill of living. Yet be reasonable, be responsible, for we will give an account to the Lord for everything. Remember Jesus in Matthew 12, 36. Jesus' words, I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give an account for every careless word they speak. The judgment. Live responsibly. Dream. Go for it. For old age is coming when you won't be able to. A lot of times we'll see older folks and we go like, oh, they're old. You know what? They were very young at one point. They're like little Emma running around here. Don't you? I love to see her, Jay. Little Emma. She's so relaxed, she's laying up on the platform while the band is playing. Isn't that beautiful? Just filled with vitality. And if the Lord tarries and she lives, someday she may be in a wheelchair and won't know her name and all that. I mean, old folks were young folks. They were out swinging, going to the beach and Swinging on a swing is what I mean. <laughs> Going to the beach. That's what I said. We should swing. Yeah, no, that's not what I meant. Well, look at the second truth, all right? Reminding us we're to really enjoy life. Second, for chapter 12, finally, the last chapter, 1 to 7. Live for the Lord, the Creator today, especially if you're young. For death, now it's death. Now it's not old age and darkness and the gloom of that, but now it's death. Well, all too soon find us. Look what he says, verse 1. Remember your Creator in the days of your youth before. Now just to indicate one thing for you. Notice how he hangs all of this on three utterances of the word before. In verse 1, before the, the days of troubles come and the years approach when you say, I find no pleasure in them. Verse 2 again, before and then look at verse 6. He says, before the pitcher is shattered at the spring. That's death. He calls us to remember. Live for the Lord today. A, Solomon calls us to remember 
uh, our Creator in the days of our youth. To remember doesn't mean to simply recall, oh yeah, Lord, I forgot. That's not that. It's to live with God, a God-focused life. It's to live under the Lord Jesus all the days. To think about Him, think much about Him, think often about Him, and think through His Word, for we belong to Him. It means that we're to live for Him. It means to obey His Word. It means He's our Creator, that we belong to Him. He uses the word Creator here, not Savior, not simply God, but Creator, in reference to Genesis uh, 1 and 2. He's our Maker. We owe our life to Him because He made us. He made something. I have a little wood shop. I'm working in the garage and making things. I enjoy that. I'm going to be making some Adirondack chairs and my father was quite a woodworker, and, and of year, recent years, I've enjoyed trying to revisit that and try some of those things. I enjoy it. It's very satisfying. I want to, in the rec room, try and build a kind of an entertainment center, shelves and plane the wood. I bought it. Some guy cut the trees down in the forest. There's some ash trees down and a rough cut, and I bought a board planer, and I'm playing it. I've been doing a little bit of that. and Enjoy it. You make something, it becomes yours. It's yours, right? It's yours. We say that, we understand what that means. God made us. We're His. You're not your own. Every one of us bear the mark of God in our life. We made us for Him, for His purpose. Or Romans 12, at the end of that great doxology, I mentioned Wednesday night, for from Him and through Him and to Him are all things to the praise of God. We are His. And we belong to Him. We're to remember Him and to live for Him and to love Him. We live for Him all the days of our life. And I think it helps us if, if you would set your alarm, get up an hour early and read your Bible. Would you ever do that? Would you ever take a challenge as a man or a woman? Say, you know, I've wasted so much of my life doing dumb things. How about an hour? You try that. Get up in the morning, read, read the Word for an hour. Try that this week. Every single day, it'll change your life. It will. You know, some of you pop, uh, you know, two minutes here and three minutes here, and you wonder why you're still a pygmy in God's family. Midgets, you're preemies. You're not growing. I'll tell you what. You read the Word, get up early. I'm not saying anything I don't do. You call me. I'll probably already be up. I think, Ramona, you get up before me. What? At four. Whoa. <laughs> She's up early. You do that, it'll change your life for the better. A lot of things will change your life not for the better. Get up an hour early and read the Word. Feed yourself. It'll change your life. That's part of remembering your Creator. He gave you the Word. What a great treasure is the Scripture, right? It's not, you know, it's not a paperweight. I put it on my desk. I pick it up Sunday morning when I go back to church you're in trouble. Remember him, love him, walk with him. Like the, the old Puritan, open the Bible and read it. You'll grow in grace and God will help you and your life will make sense and there'll be a song in your heart. I promise you, I promise you, will be the time to love and serve the Lord is today. He says, before the days of trouble come, they're coming. Some of you are sensing it. Youth is the best time to begin to live for the Lord. It is. That way you live all your life for the Lord. The youth, the young person. You know, God usually calls 
uh, people to himself at younger ages. Child evangelism, ministries, what a great thing. So many of the teens hear the gospel, and, and God saves them through that ministry. So many teens tendered to the things of the Lord. And then as we get older, it lessens, seems less and less. God is able to do that. In my ministry, I remember one 88-year-old woman put her faith in Christ. But i got to tell you, I only remember one. One. It seems like 95% of people who belong to the Lord become that way 50 and younger, and the most of them were at 30 and younger. God in His grace. Why? Because of the hardness of sin sets in and the callousness and the rebelliousness and me, myself, and I, I'm going to do my own thing. I'm God and He's not and I don't care. It sets in. That's the deceitfulness of sin that a child doesn't have. Youth, what a great time to, to give your heart and your life to the Lord. I remember my youth uh, uh, worker, he was a man who worked at Sears and I'll never forget, really, I, I didn't understand why he took a less-paying job. He was offered a big promotion, but he turned it down because he, it would have taken him away from working with the boys. That really, that's funny. I, he'd be surprised that I even remember that because I was a kid out on the periphery of the church, and he kind of went after me and, uh, and made a big difference in my life. He wanted to pour himself into to the boys. And uh, though I committed to sin and things I regret, uh, the Lord tenderized my heart at an early age and saved me at seven. And uh, I remember in high school, and I had a great yearning in my heart to want to go drive downtown city of Buffalo on Saturday nights to youth time uh, where a guy would preach. I took a number of dates. I had, let's go down to youth time. And Saturday night, how about that? God had so hooked my heart, I wanted to hear the Word, and filled with teens, you know, hundreds of them. And uh, I'm thankful for that, really. I'm so thankful. You look at people that, that choose not at early age, and as life goes on, you look at their lives as the years, and they almost wear the scars of sin on their faces and their bodies. Sometimes you go back to these uh, class reunions. You ever do that? You go back to the class reunion? Yeah, sometimes it's scary. Look at folks that were the, they were the big jocks and they were the big, you know, okay, on campus, right? You go back and they look like they're, you know, ready to wheel them to the nursing home. It's just unbelievable, the scars and ravages of, of bad decisions and sin. It, it, it has a way. And if God would do that, we talk about sowing oats and, oh, they're sowing their oats when they're young. That's, that's of the devil. That's of the pit, really. Young men and young women, live for the Lord all your days. Strive to serve Him. You'll never regret it. You never will do that. You won't, I promise you. That God would catch your heart early and keep you close to Him all the days of your life so that you'll not sow the seeds of sin. I have it on your sheet that will hurt you in the future. I urge you to put away things in your life that are not pleasing to the Lord. Put them away today. I don't know what it is in your life. You know, the Lord knows. Maybe such things as drugs in your life. You know, it's in the culture. You know, it's been mentioned already. I mean, it's everywhere. And everywhere. If you let it hook you, you're going to be in trouble. You will be. I mean, we rejoice in what God has done in Aaron's life. And he's brought him through that time. And you have wonderful testimony, Aaron. It encourages so many. 
And so some of you may still battle those things. Put those things out. Even things like, like things like, the Bible doesn't say anything about smoking, but what a stupid thing to do. It killed my father, really. Emphysema and heart and all the rest. What a dumb thing to do. Other things, you know, maybe you're in the risky business deals and you're not sleeping at night and all that. It's going to get out of those. Disentangle yourself from that stuff. Maybe you're given to, to immoral sex and you got things going on the side and all this pornography and all that. Get, get rid of that stuff. It's junk. It's not good for you. It's going to rot you out. You know that. You can't live life to the fullest. That's not living life with the end in view. You got something going on the side or this or that. You got to flee that. I mean, we live in a culture and you turn on any movie, they're all, they're dating, they're you know, hooking up, they're sleeping, they're, they're all that. Get rid of that stuff. Honor the Lord. God has given us the book. He knows how we ought to work and how we work best. Do it His way. You'll sleep better at night. There'll be a joy in your life. You'll be more productive. You'll be a blessing to more people. God will use you to help catch others with the gospel net. If your life is all messed up, no one will want to hear anything that you have. I don't know what you have, but I don't want it. You know, Put it away. Put those things away. Stealing, other sort of things. You know. Put them away, he's saying. And then three, finally, he's, or C, live for the Lord before the gloom and decay of life set in, that end in death. That's where he's headed here. You say, well, the first part was live with zest because uh, the dark days are coming. That's right. He's referring to old age. But now he's going to take us down this long chicane, if you will, this this decline, this declension that leads in death, all with the purpose of graphically showing us live for the Lord today. Serve Christ. There's nothing else. Only this life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. And that's what he's saying in verses 2 to 5 in this analogy of aging that ends in death. Look at before the sun and the light, verse 2, and the moon and the stars grow dark. And the clouds return after the rain. He's referring to the gloomness of old age and then death. He's probably referring to our minds grow in feebleness. Have you noticed that? I can't remember a lot. We call it a senior moment. And we laugh at that, right? I was upstairs last week walking around. I couldn't remember what I went up there. I remember people saying that, and I laugh, oh, that's cute, you know. It's not so cute when you're up there going like, well, there was a reason. <laughs> I'm surprised it's happening so soon, but that's what he's talking about here. Before, do it, live for the Lord. Remember your Creator, love Him, serve Him. There's nothing else. What? It's going to be the downhill slide. And then he uses this incredible figure of a decaying house. It could be a couple of other figures, but I think Walt Kaiser's right. It's the decaying house. You ever watch this old house on PBS? This old house is a pretty good show. This old house, and how they fix it up, and wow, it's marvelous. Uh, this old house is what Solomon's talking about here. That's what he's talking about. He's going to walk us through this, this analogy of old age in verse 3. When the keepers of the house tremble and the strong men stoop. The keepers of the house, we think, I read a lot of men on this in the writings, probably uh, the arms and the hands. If someone would kind of punch you in the you go, you know, keep your guard up, you kind of block, right? 
My father bought, came home one day, and he had boxing gloves. I was only about this high, and my father had this idea. Now, he was a military school guy, right? He said, I've figured it out. When we have problems around here, the boy, boys were taking it outside. We're going to put on, lace up the gloves, and we're going we're gonna to think, like, what is this? You know? <laughs> I was a smaller. My brother was older, you know, and, and I remember my brother wailing on me. You know, it beat me, you know, in the backyard. My father was superintending the thing. I go, like, what is this? Get your arm up. Block your th- block it. Block it. Block it. Like finally, I got the gist. It better, you know. Okay, that's the idea. The keepers of the house are your arms and hands, right? And now they're trembling. They're shaking. You got the shakes. Got the shakes. Never used to be that way. I see my grandmother. She couldn't get the key in the lock. She was like, "This. What's going on there, Grandma? <laughs> it used to fit. She couldn't line it up." It happens. It's the declension, the shakes, the tremors. That's what he's talking about. Keepers of the house tremble. We get the shakes. Then, then let, just walk through this. The grinders cease. What, what do you think the grinders are? Mark, what do you think they are? Yeah, your teeth, your grinders. Uh, they, uh, they, uh, your grinders uh, cease because they're few. They fall out. I went to the dentist. He looked in there and said, boy, you've got some work you had done there in days gone by. They didn't have the sealants. I used to brush like mad, but then I found out later the grooves in your teeth were smaller than the bristles on the brush, and it didn't matter how many candy bars I ate and how often I brushed, it was bad news. I was glad that that came along for the kids. Grinders cease because they're few. And those looking through the windows grow dim. What do you think that means? That's your vision. That's your vision grows dim. And when the doors to the street are closed and the sound of grinding fades, you can't hear. What's that? Eh? Eh? Say that again? And when men rise at the sound of birds, that wakes me up in the morning. I open the window and I can hear the birds. Huge crows land on the roof of our house and boy, they get squawking, having a good old meeting up there. Wakes me right up. Makes me right up. But all their songs grow faint. Can't hear, but the birds wake me up in the morning. Old people get up early, don't they? Seven years, I had a morning paper out in Buffalo. Oh, that was an experience. Boy, I hated it all the time. I did. I had to do it as part of wear them out, you know. (laughs) 4.30 every day. I don't know what you're doing at 4.30. Well, Ramona, I know what she's doing. But 4.30, got up, had to count my papers and deliver them. And it was mostly black, dark. And I come around at 5, 5.30, and I can't tell you, the, I tell you where the old folks were, they'd greet me at the door. They were waiting with their coffee for their paper. They, they were up early. And the, the young families, the mothers that were exhausted, they barely got up. They, they, they didn't even know if they had a paper. They, you know, but the old folks get up early. I can remember him by name. Makes me laugh. I heard this story of this old, older couple. They were retired, and it was daylight savings. And, uh, and so they, they missed that, and they went to bed an hour earlier. They crawled in bed, went to sleep, and all of a sudden the, uh, the old man was, was roused up because he, he, he rolled over, and it was light outside the window. And so he says to his wife, get up, we've overslept. <laughs> so she jumps out of bed, and they go down to the kitchen, and... Uh, 
they're making bacon and scrambled eggs, and all of a sudden, and he's eating and looking out the window, and he realized something wasn't quite right. And he noticed it's getting darker out. Something's wrong. And he realized <laughs> that it was dusk. It was dusk that he had gotten up and was having breakfast already. <laughs> Old folks don't sleep that much, do they? They, they, they? they don't. They get up early. So he's saying, live. He's saying, don't forget, in the midst of this declension of physical life, live for the Lord today. Remember your Creator. Love Him and serve Him. Verse 5, when men are afraid of heights and of danger in the streets. We're afraid, fear. Strong men that used to be down at the uh, health club, and, and they were the men's men. Now they're a little, hey, it's a little dark outside. And, oh, I don't know. I can remember again my father when we were doing the roof, uh, had to replace the roof. Well, way up high and two stories and way up to the peak and, and had the Yankee gutters on the front and, and they were leaking and a problem. I'd worked in the steel mill that summer and then uh, changing shifts. It was a rotating shift, so then I was fitting this in, trying to put 30 square shingle down and uh, he was saying, well, it's still leaking over here. And, I, and he said, I'll come up and show you. So he comes, comes up the ladder. And it's, uh, I don't know, it's what, 23 feet, 24 feet. Comes up there, and I'm, you know, I'm walking along the Yankee gutter, and, then, and he's going, I'll show you where it is. And he goes, whoa! He's whoa, this is high. This is high. I go like, and I'm, I'm like walking down to the, this is, this is nothing, Dad. In fact, I did that on the peak for, I shouldn't have done that, for our neighbor ladies across the street. They were like, oh. <laughs> but my, the day I saw my father afraid of heights, he had built a two-story uh, addition on the previous house up there, nailed it all together, but balance and everything else, all of a sudden it's like, whoa, I saw that. I, often, I always think of that when I read this. And now strong men who were once vital, walked in all kinds, of, can't, and fear stalks, and that's the way it is. That's what he's talking about. Dangers in the street. And when the almond tree blossoms, guess what that is? Eli, what do you think that is? When the, <laughs> when the almond tree blossoms, you have such a nice head of white hair there, I thought. And that means your, your hair turns white. The almond tree blossoms. And desire is no longer stirred. In the Hebrew, the word uh, desire is the caperberry. It actually uses that. Caperberry was an aphrodisiac. And it was used for uh, sexuality too. And Kyle and Delage, the revered commentators, put uh, in this, it was a means of exciting sexual desires. And all of a sudden, the joy of sexuality, that's gone. Or it could be more general desire in general. Somebody said, referring to the last thing here, he said, well, at least I'm glad that the last thing to go was sexual desire. And they looked down this list. Some lady said it had to be a man that said that, not certainly an older woman would have said that. Talk to me later if you need help on that one. But uh, it's gone. It's gone. The decaying house, no matter how much you do, say, I'm going to do extra push-ups. I'm gonna, I'm, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to do Pilates. I'm going to sign up for Rachel's class. Forget it. I mean, it may help a bit, but it's downward. Say, well, it hurts my feelings. That's the way it is. It really is. 
points to the loss of all, it wanes, and then it's gone. And finally, D, death finds us. That's what this is all about. Look at what he says. Then man goes to his eternal home, and mourners go about the streets. Remember him before the silver cord is severed, or the golden bowl is broken. He's referring to the symbols of life that die. The broken pitcher is shattered at the well, or the wheel broken at the well, and the dust returns to the ground. That's your body and mine. It came from. And the Spirit returns to God who gave it. Meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher. Everything is meaningless. Finally, death finds us. We go home. We go home. We go to our eternal home forever and ever. So remember him before it's too late. You know, it's too late to remember him after you die. And you don't have any guarantee that you're going to even be a conscience up to that point of death. You could hit your fall down, hit your head, and be gone. It happens every week. I see it in the paper. Gone. We've seen some very well-known folks gone recently. How about that professor at Carnegie Mellon, the last lecture? If you haven't seen that, you can find that uh, on, uh, on the blog sites. What a, what a tremendous educator and teacher. At 47 years old, pancreatic cancer, and uh, he lived uh, joyfully unto, unto his family, but gone. And I'm saying to you, when death visits, that's it. It's, it's, that's it. It seals forever. This is the prelude. The main event is after. Remember him before it's too late. Never live here like your home. I know we get, all, we get all settled in. We do. But we're pilgrims and strangers, aliens and wanderers. That's what Peter calls us. That's what we are. It's all right to fix up a place and enjoy it, but realize you're really just a renter. You are. We're just tenants. We're passing through. It's like the uh, Woodrow Wilson was out on Pennsylvania Avenue in front of the White House when he was president. And some kid came, was on the sidewalk and said, well, who lives there? Pointing to the White House. And Wilson said, well, nobody really. They just sort of come and go. And that's the way it is. We're not home. We are not home. And don't live like you are if saved heaven is your home. 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 When I was a young kid, my mother would say, those are the days we, we go out and play. Today, parents don't let their kids out much. And there's probably good reason they ought to be careful, but sometimes it's a little overdone. We used to go and be gone. She said, be home before dark. Be home. Well, when's that? Actually, Mom, because I don't want to get grounded. When the streetlights turn on. So we always knew that was a signal. Some of you are laughing because you had the same thing. Home before dark. And that's the way it is for a believer. Home before dark. This is not home. Before the, before dark. Well, death is the tearing apart of the body and the soul. You're not your body. I remind you of that. I say that. You're not. You're not. Someday your body will return to the ground, verse 7. You're the living soul within the body, and you will continue to live at the moment of your death. 
you'll leave planet Earth here. You'll no longer be here. But you will live actually, personally, consciously in the presence of God. You will. Absent from the body, present with the Lord. You will live. Which is much better by far, Paul says in Philippians 1. Death will find us. Well, tomorrow is a very special day for me. It's a day I've noted for a long time. You're not like me in this, I know. But it's, and it seems strange. You know, of course, my father was taken at a very early age in my life. He died at 54. And uh, we were not there. We were not even able to get to the funeral because of the terrible blizzard in the mid Midwest. We showed up day after. Well, my dad was very close to him. God saved him, I trust, at the very end of his life. But uh, tomorrow's a special day in my life because I went through and I counted the number of days that my father lived. And then I put my, my lifetime over that. And tomorrow is the exact day in which my father died in my life. And in fact, this is even stranger, 19,697 days. What's our verse for the month? Teach us to number our days right, that we may gain a heart of wisdom. It's always funny like that with uh, parents. I've talked to others. That it's like a hedge. When your parents are gone, it's like you're, you're there then. And when they're gone, I know Faithy will often say that. Mom and dad are in heaven, and, and you're, you're, out, you're kind of exposed on that. And tomorrow is the day, if the Lord lets me see tomorrow, well, when I will tie, and then he eclipse the number of days that God gave to my father. Solomon is saying, listen, live, really live, but live with the end in view. Live that way. Go for it. Dream your dreams and go for it. If you're still here, keep dreaming and go for it. Because darkness of old age and the gloom when your body's not going to work quite right is going to set in. And you won't be able to. You won't. And then finally, go for it. Really live because death is coming. He has your address. I know some wonder if, well, he's lost it. No, yeah. We talk about that picturesquely, that the Lord knows our days, and there's a day when we will die. It's an appointment that you will make, and so will I. And it's a wise man, it's a wise woman who lives with that in view. And lets that enter into the thought process of decisions I make today in serving the Lord Jesus and loving Him all the days of my life. And that's what we're to be of. Well, lessons for our life when we're done. Number one, let me call you again to live, really live. But do so within the rules. Remember, driving, it's free, it's fun, it's great to go places. But the rules of the road. God has given us His rules and the Word of God. Know them and live them. Don't do stupid things. We all do, but let's keep them to the bare minimum. Shall we do that? Why shoot ourselves in the foot? Is that fun? That's not fun. We've been hobbling around here. Let's not do stupid things. Number two, all of us, and especially our youth, if you're young, follow the impulses of your heart. Solomon is telling you, God through Solomon's pen, go for it. Live your dreams. I don't know if how many people have told you, you can't, you can't, you can't. I'm sick of that. Go for it. I told Faith one of the great 
great treasures that my parents gave me was a treasure that you could go and be anything that, that you want to do. And they reinforce that and said that through you. If you're willing to pay the price, to work hard at discipline, the sky's the limit. And you know what? It was a great gift they gave me. I was reflecting on that last night with her. And I don't know if, if you've lived in an environment where you're dumb, you're stupid, you can't, you know, just that negative, just get rid of that stuff. You can dream, go for it, live. That's what he's saying to us, really live. You can. Get off the bench. Don't hang around just wait to die. Don't do that. God's giving you something precious. It's called life. Number three, remember. Remember this. Dear Americans, we who are so blessed with wealth, the essence of life is not in your possessions, but in a relationship with the living God through Jesus Christ, who is Lord and Savior. It's not in the stuff you have. Life is not stuff. It isn't. Haven't you learned the lesson again? You dream about something, wait for it, save for it, finally get it, and what? After 30 days, if it's not too big, you throw it in the corner. Right? It's not that. It isn't. Get a grip on it. It's a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. It's a relationship with others, your family, your friends, your neighbors, and others. It's engaging relationship. That's where the caviar and joy and the fullness of life is. It is. Get a grip on that. I have to, I have to say that with emphasis because Madison Avenue and all the advertising, you're not happy if you don't have this, don't have that, blah, 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 and we walk around not having thinking, and we, we buy the stupid thing. Be smart, be wise, realize it's not in that. It's in a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Number four, live today with the end in view. Live that way. For each one of us, you and I, we will be, will be judged by the Lord Jesus for our actions at the judgment seat of Christ. Live that way. When I was a kid, my mother said, your father's coming home. Whoa, I don't know what that would do for you, but that meant something to me. I've been, pan, I've been tanned on the fanny so much, uh, that uh, motivated me, it did. Uh, my mother, uh, she was little, five foot one. <laughs> she broke a lot of wooden spoons. My brother and I would laugh, but then the words, your father's coming home. Still, I still get a little spooked when I say that. <laughs> Well, there's a judgment coming, and there is in your life. Be wise. Live with the end in view. Remember your Creator in the days of your youth. That's what he's saying. That's the secret to a blessed life. Number five and last, death, death seals your fate. That's it. If you're here and you don't know Christ the Lord is your Savior, you better trust Him today. Today is the accepted day. Not tomorrow, today. Whether young or old, if you've never said, to the Lord, I'm a sinner and lost and deserve hell. Thank you for sending Christ to be my Lord and my Savior for the cross and the payment for my sin was nailed there and you, you paid it all. It's nothing that I can do. You've done it all. And I receive you as a gift, my Savior. That's what saves a man or woman, boy or girl. That's the difference between heaven and hell. And death seals your fate. You must receive Christ today. Well, drive ahead. 
Go full steam. Go to the mountains. Go to the valley. Go to the desert. Go to the coast. In the beach, right? In the summer. Beautiful waves and all. But remember, the rules. God has laid them down. Not because he's trying to make life difficult, but he knows how we best work. And he wants us to have the blessed secret and the joy of life. To really live. Oh, go for it. Wow. 